0: Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Big Jim. And I'm Goody. And we're also here with producer Rob. Say hello, Rob. How oh, are the lads? There we go. There we go. We've got a great show lined up. We're going to be discussing the fallout from Owen Farrell's decision to step away from international rugby for the time being. We're going to also be looking at the Premiership action and the big talking
0: points from the URC alongside having a good old chat. About the litigation against the WRU, the RFU, and World Rugby.
1: Batter boy. Well, we're also going to be chatting to Munster World Cup winning legend. He's a bit Irish as well, but he's a Springbok second row, Jean Klein. So settle back, peel back, enjoy, and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. Spotify.
0: This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. dot Atlassian.
2: Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com Prime to get more out of whatever you're into.
1: Producer Rob, did you enjoy your two days with myself, Goody, your wee mate Jimmy, and the British Army?
0: I would say it's generally one of the funniest two days I've ever had.
1: All right, you don't sound like you're that pumped about it. So it was absolutely class. Yeah, how tired though? Oh, I was knackered. Well, my flight was cancelled, getting home, and then delayed the next day. But hey, let's We'll get keep to it that positive. later. Two amazing days with the army. Starting off at Sandhurst, which obviously was very close to
0: Pennyhill Park, the England hotel. And driving in there, I thought, I-, I-, I drove in there. In what? In the range, of course. With a bit of trepidation. Because... Anything that I've done with the army, and you've got a military background with your dad and you know growing up in that kind of environment at times, and you see stuff on TV, the pre-seasons we've done with the army, you're getting shouted at, you're getting rinsed, you're getting flogged, and you're sleeping in a tent or on the floor or on a rug or on a mat, and that ain't me anymore, is it? I, I, no. No. I, I, that's not me anymore. I don't but, think that's
1: anyone over the age of 40.
0: No, True. True. But But
1: luckily it doesn't need to be. No,
0: because we had two of the very best days we've had in a long time with the army in Sandhurst, down at Lark Hill, middle wallop with the Apaches.
1: I don't even know where we were. Like, you've got all these, you're name dropping these places. I know we were in Sandhurst and then we were in the bushes. Then we were in the trenches. I've got no idea where we were. How funny were the trenches? Oh, it was it was a brilliant two days. And maybe to give some context of why we were there... So the great British army on a recruitment drive. So I remember back in the day when I was a youngster, when I wanted to join the army, but you'd get like army careers advisors coming to your schools, coming to your youth clubs, coming to the colleges and speak and be on a big recruitment drive. Obviously everyone's now looking down on their phone. So you don't even look up and people don't come out to your schools and youth clubs now because that's just the way that the world has changed. But Army recruitment, I I have a feeling that numbers are slightly dropped or the motivation to join the army or the, the idea of joining the army is probably different to what the reality of it is. So with the podcast that we've got, the demographic that we've got, how impressionable our listeners are, it's a kind of recruitment drive to showcase how good the British Army is. So it's easy to sit here and say, oh, it was great, it was great, and we're, we're basically cheap salesmen. But I'm was... telling
0: you now, if it wasn't great, i would tell you the truth. I know you know you that, would. I'd yes. have a moan. You... It was two of the most enjoyable days we've had in a long time. Yeah. And it
1: opened my eyes to what the Army actually is. And that's what we were saying. Like, we were having this discussion when we were there. We went to watch the Army Under-23s versus the Royal Air Force Under-23s. And we had a bit of a moment. We were like, how... as cold as it was, we were like, how good is this? Because... What I don't think people realise about the army, or maybe they do, and this is what we'll talk about it, it's not all about being on the front line and you're in the battlefield, you're in the war zones, and there's this kind of chaos and danger, which that's part of it, and people like that. But this was like showcasing and us trying different things that are available to people that are thinking about joining the army. And then just one last thing, what we were talking about as well. In a world in which... A lot of young men and women, there's massive opportunities for women in the army as well, but they're lost. They don't know what to do with their lives. And there was loads of different stories, and we can maybe go through some of the stories that we picked up along the way. But I just think in a world now, a society where the word purpose is thrown around, I need a purpose, I want to do a job that I love, I don't know what I'm doing, fulfillment, and with fulfillment is physical exercise, mental exercise, mental well-being, I was in that environment, right? And and that's the thing that I miss about sport and rugby, is being in an environment with like-minded people.
0: You've got a squad, though. You've got
1: four kids. Yeah, it's it's different. Because it's not on the same... I'm not on the same wavelength. Well, you're shouting now. Well, very true. But I'm I'm like the captain, the general. But they're shouting people in the army now. So we learn all these new things. But I felt a sense of belonging when I was there. I I loved it. Cannot speak highly enough. And we'll go through some of the stories and that. It was hilarious. But you talk
0: about sense of purpose. It's also a sense of opportunity as well. The opportunities the army opens up and being in the army and you hear the stories about people traveling and you know going skiing here there and everywhere and visiting the world not on you're visiting the world on a training exercise where you're not sleeping you're not eating and you're staring out at fields waiting for something to happen it the lifestyle you go through hard training don't get me wrong but the lifestyle of it and the opportunities that it brings playing sport the how much they promote that in the army any sport men women's you know the ability and understanding that that is gives everyone a massive uplift in terms of happiness in life, being active, doing exercise, playing sports, team sports, individual sports. It was mind-blowing what's opened my mind around the Army. And it, interestingly, and we're not going to speed through it all, but we got to the end of it and I'm thinking, I'd convince myself by the end, I could do this. I maybe can't get through all the training, but like being in the Army genuinely is... An amazing opportunity. And I'm not just saying it because we've done stuff with them, but when you dig into it and understand the life experiences that a lot of these people have got because of the army and what they get to do, I'm thinking, that's awesome. I wonder you know, if, I could, if there's anything that I could do. So I asked a massive shout-out to Major Jen Stevenson. What a lovely woman. She took us around to all the places and chaperoned us and helped us out and talked a lot about the army. I said to her at the end, I was like, do you reckon I can... Be in the army, do you reckon like, there's a job for me? She goes, Goody, the only job that you could do in the army right now is of being a chaplain. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was it. Rob, you uh, know when you looked at me and Goody when we were doing it, genuinely, hand on heart now, Northern Rock, honesty, out of the two of us, who would make it? Christ! Um, Why are you
0: even pausing? <laughs> no
1: one. I did the seven k run. Yeah, mate. Seven k walk. You did. Rob, sorry, go without, on. without the bag. Yeah, without the bag. Yeah, yeah, without the I bag. I couldn't yeah. run. I've got pins and plates, but on my no, ankle. Okay, How many times so do you one, need to know that? Well, you need to be able to run, Rob. If you could pick one of us to that would make it in the army, and the special forces will double down. I
0: do think Goody would be good as the chaplain. You know, with a bag of sweets. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go.
1: Yeah. So he's just saying Goody. Is that it? As a chaplain. Yeah. Oh, go, go. No, I felt at home, Andrew. But this Come thing, on, you must have been seen, impressed with some parts. I was parts, impressed was with some of your
0: parts. Yeah I, pulled I mean the trigger. Yeah, you absolutely shit yourself. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh, sorry. my word.
1: It was funny because they didn't really tell us like some of the stuff. Like We had the safety briefing... And it was all very safe, and we were wearing the right gear and looked a million dollars. And on
0: that, shout out to 34 Battery from the 14 Regiment Royal Artillery. They took us out.
1: A few Virginians in there right? They well. They'd make hell of a rugby team, those they boys. Would, they would. Big Fijians as well. Big Fijians. Well, there's a big sport in there. There's a big yeah. rugby a crossover in that. What yeah. about when I pulled the trigger? But that was the first... For when we see the videos and people, you put it out there. And the
0: videos that we've seen that Rob and little Jimmy did... And the content is going to be class and hilarious because I'm watching it back thinking, maybe we've got a chance, like we've done all right here. And then I look back at some of the videos, you're running like lurch, your back's hanging off. I'm trying to roll around the floor like a slow-mo pig. I've it's just- smashed <laughs> my
1: elbow as well, so I've gone full commitment. We're getting all these orders because there, there was like a nice mix. Get your there. head down! Get your head down, I can't get my fucking head down, I can't <laughs> even touch my knees. It's like trying <laughs> to bend over in the trenches. But there was a lot like a mix of, so you had... The British Army there, but then they had like people from all over different countries. Yeah. Like there was one from like Malaysia or yeah. somewhere like that. So there's a nice mix of cultures. I've got a perforated eardrum. There's gunfire going off everywhere. They're screaming for me and you because they obviously saw me as a leader. Like They, you know, they saw they, you I, as
2: the big freak. They, they shoot aden- the freak. No,
1: they identify people early as leaders. That was one yeah, of the convers- really? conversations they had on the march and shoot. Yeah. And they uh, they identified you early on the march and shoot. You did the
0: 7.2k run. I'll give you that but you were jogging. It was very slow. Mm. They've all got... You are in a car. Twenty five. Yeah, slow in a car. They've all got 25 kilogram Bergens on and they're carrying other equipment and you're there with your army jumper on at the back, not carrying anything,
1: no bag, moaning about your back and your blisters, right? Yeah, I didn't have any blisters. It was the back and my elbow was seized up and I've not been able to walk for three days. But that's not us <laughs> not selling the army. I think anyone yeah. who's thinking about doing it should go down that route. The yeah. food as well. Andrew, how good was the food? No. How much food do I eat? <laughs> I Rob's laughing his head I off every time. I thought I ate quite a food. lot, right?
0: I thought I ate quite a lot. Jim eats three to four times as much as I do.
1: It's the right kind of food, though, because in the army in the <laughs> olden days, I thought you go up, you get one sausage. Rations. you get one hash brown. Yeah. you get a, a ration box as well. The food, which kind of makes sense if you're in a high-performance environment, like the military is, like the army is, the food the food alone was enough for me. Just to be happy. And you, to go. Yeah. But we went out for a couple of pints
0: Wednesday night as well. Well, you had a bath because you were cold, but me and Rob did. And we had a kebab as well. So yeah, mate, good good times. But we did compete, didn't we, James? On what? Do you want to, ah, you've forgotten it, haven't I mean, you? Yeah, have forgotten it already. The only thing that we could compete on. Now, Major Jen Stevenson said I, the only thing I've got in me is to be a chaplain. I disagree. What? Tell the sniper's that.
1: Oh, you could be a sniper chaplain as well. Yeah, so do you not, sli-
0: not think there's a dark <laughs> irony
2: in that?
1: <laughs> well, we were hosted by the two
0: rifles and infantry training. They took us up to the range, didn't they? Your memory's unbelievable, Andrew. Well, you remember all you know, these different corps and groups. And when you have won, Jim, and we had a, a shoot-off, didn't we? bit of practice how cool was that firing those rifles yeah it was got
1: SA-80 rifles Andrew yeah. just to they specific they were
0: class and then it went to automatic mode it was brilliant like, I couldn't wipe the smile off my face but it came down to a bit of a competition well between. that was the only
1: thing we could compete because effectively we were both lying down so there was zero <laughs> physical exertion they were like right we need to get a level here how much did
0: your back hurt when you were lying down though
1: yeah it did hurt
0: and then anyway so we had 22 shots over three different positions so lying down on your knee and standing up. Standing up was the hardest one, was it? Yeah,
1: I like that. It was like urban warfare. Yeah.
0: Twenty two shots. How did you get, Jim? Twenty one out of twenty two. Very Guilty. good. Guilty. Very good. Not bad. Very good, that is.
1: Me? 22 22 from
0: 22 winner winner chicken dinner yeah it was So i could
1: be a i could be a sniper yeah but you wouldn't be able to get into position no, Andrew, no, no, that's they, that's they're the gonna Apache you. me like, in the, <laughs> la-
0: the lads from the seven regiment army air corps can fly me in on their apaches lads. i'll call
1: the apaches oh. as well there's loads to get through yeah. like the content's going to come out but i think there is a dark irony that the only thing that andy good can do if he was to join the british army would be a sniper chaplain yeah, there you go sniper <laughs> chaplain shoot and kill and then say sorry would look great on linkedin so, we could shout out all of them. We could shout out a platoon, but my driver, my security, neither security, didn't I? No, you didn't. I did. Well, I'd add security, but Warrant Officer Bernie, big shout out to him. Legend. A legend, northerner. Yeah. Hard as nails. He's driving, I'm sleeping. And then he just doing. telling the story. I was absorbing the stories. Asleep? Yeah, effectively.
0: <laughs> big shout out as well to Sergeant Devon McInnes. Brilliant bloke. He was driving me around and stitching me up. He just kept saying, why can't we go in the range? That's all he wanted to do. But great bloke.
1: Had a lot of fun with him. And shout out to Lance Corporal Isaac Reeson as well. Top bloke. He was was helping you, weren't he, with the filming? He was. Hell of a moustache. Hell of a moustache. Amazing moustache,
0: but what about the drone as well? Yeah. He had proper kit. Yeah, he he he? had
1: proper kit. He weren't like Cowboy Productions like the (laughs) Rugby Pod, was he, Robbie? He was proper. (laughs) He's been on the England Rugby channels this week as well. Oh, has he? Yeah, with his drone. He's a top bloke. Oh, fair play. There you go. Some lovely rugby synergy. Yep.
0: My favourite, though, Major Jen
1: Stevenson. Thank you. Yeah, she was great. Major Jen, thank you. And thank you to the British Army for hosting us. The content will be out soon if we, Jimmy, and Rob press record. We're not not too sure if they did. did. Let's hope they did. I hope they did. All right, enough about the Army. Be the best and all that. And talking about being the best, just want to get better, Owen Farrell. Yeah. Massive news, Andrew. Massive news that I did not see coming. He has stepped down from his position as England captain yep. did not see that coming did you honestly no well we were in the car weren't we on the army camp and news broke and
0: it's very sad that all the abuse that's gone on and he feels he has to step away for his the mental health of him and his family you know straight away you're thinking why well, he's the ultimate competitor isn't he and I sit there and I think I don't reckon he looks at the social media I don't think he's like me and you sitting on the bog hiding from the kids on Instagram or on Twitter just looking at what's going on in the world I don't think that's him but ultimately, the messages have got back and the ill feeling. And if we're being honest, some of it has he's brought on himself about how he's carried himself and the things he's done in terms of the tackles and all this stuff. Not the abuse, but the critiquing. You have to be able to critique. And then Mark McCall's talked about it started in the mainstream media. And then I'm like, is that me and Jim? Are we mainstream media? <laughs> Don't put me into this. And we are I'm not like, mainstream. Has anyone been... Uh, any live shows where Jim's told his stories about Marbella
1: but it does make you start second guessing yourself it really does and I hope that when we do what we do well I hope that I'm speaking for myself Andrew not both of us but maybe both of us well I think we have a responsibility that's what I kind of feel like and I think with the stuff around Owen Farrell I don't know what newspapers it was in or what was being said. I genuinely, I can't remember. I did the behind the paywall most newspapers, but I know that the momentum and the narrative gathered around Owen Farrell with the red card before the World Cup and everything around there that. There wasn't a red card. That wasn't a red card. His dad got brought into it, got yeah. asked at a press conference, and you could start seeing stuff being put in there that, no, this isn't okay, the way that he's being spoken about. It was a red card, but it was banned. Of course, and then wasn't banned, and then all the drama, which wasn't his fault. Like As much as he put the high tackle in, which caused the yellow card, red card, The we were doing the podcast at the time, as as it was happening. Yeah. From what I gather, and the stuff that I've seen, is around being booed when they played against Fiji. Yeah. And he comes up on the big screen. That's your England captain, right? And you think about the media in... This country in the UK, especially, I don't know what's like in other countries. You think of the David Beckham stuff. I watched the doc with Beckham. You, th- you yeah, I remember the it. stuff yeah, around I me- Argentina I it. with Simeone flicks the heel yeah. up and gets sent off, and all the stuff, the death threats and yeah. everything. You forget that they're human beings, right? Yeah. Wayne Rooney's had the same. You look at all the racial stuff that Marcus Rashford's going through. That's out there in the public domain on social media that they're having to deal with. So I'll start with this, and we can go further into it. This isn't a rugby issue. The stuff with Wayne Barnes, the stuff with Tom Foley, the stuff with Owen Farrell, it's a societal issue. That's what it is. That's what things are at the minute. And as bulletproof and as thick-skinned as Owen Farrell is, you're breaking through any human being if you keep going. Like at some point someone's going to break, and a brave decision to step down, the fact that he's put himself out there, putting his family first... Imagine the pressure you must be under as an England captain, all the scrutiny that comes with that anyway and the expectation and his story and the way that he carries himself, which isn't a warm... He's not a warm character. No. And I'm not saying you have to be a warm character. He's got a Johnny Sexton about him. He's got a Dan Bigger. They probably have the same kind of things. But it's cut through now. Like, no one's bulletproof, and no. for him to step down was massive.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a huge shame. When you say it's a societal issue, you're dead right we've always kind of looked at rugby as a different fan base to football where the abuse is harsh as you like and you you have to segregate fans from different clubs in that because of how tense it is and we were chatting yesterday with the TNT boys at Leicester and it was like this is now heavily involved in rugby the rugby crowds have changed massively yeah and you know we want as many fans to get to games as possible but it is a societal issue where everyone can pick up their phone can abuse someone I get loads of shit and you know I'm not saying this is about me at all but I just laugh it off. But at some point, something gets you. And obviously, something has got him felt, maybe not on social media, but the whole fact around what you said, the booing when he's on screen by essentially uh, some of his own fans. You think back to how you can compare what he's going through or how you can put yourself in that position. It's very difficult. You know, I'm pretty flippant with you sometimes about being Scotland and we're good enough to play for England. Throw, it's a throwaway comment. Like, and, and me, I look back to it when I played for England. No one wanted me to play for England because I was playing because Johnny was injured. And I knew that, but you have to try and cope with it somehow. And for Faz, I can't ever imagine getting booed by you. I mean, I can because I got booed by the England fans as well because I was shite. But him getting booed as England's skipper, everything is achieved. England's top point scorer, 100 plus caps, one of England's greatest players to have played the game. It must be very difficult. And then you add into that your own private life. So you've got two kids school run and going shopping and just the simple things that any person can just go and get on with. Does he feel that people are looking at him going England captain, this has happened, that's happened. He has to wear a baseball cap and you don't want to have to live your life like that. So maybe a, a break will be great for him. And there's obviously no rugby over the six nations for Saracens. And it's interesting, obviously stepping back from England games, but not Saracens games. There is a bit of a knee injury there as well from what you hear. And so I think it'd be great for him to have a break, you know, Go and spend a month, and again, depends with the kids and schools and all that stuff, go and spend a month on holiday. You know, get away from England, get away from, this is during the Six Nations, get away from the pressures of it and enjoy spending time with your family. And Lawrence DeLalio made a good point yesterday. We should be encouraging, and it's the whole balance. We're talking about Marrow and if he's leaving and Faz, obviously staying as the marquee player. Should we encourage players to go and take a sabbatical, to go to Japan, play
1: 12 games, come home? That's what they're doing in New Zealand. And that's the big thing. Would that help Owen Farrell? I think he got an opportunity to go to Japan yeah. and didn't want it. yeah, Because he's so intense. Imagine yeah. being that intense. Oh, they're pretty intense over there as well. Yeah, different though, isn't it? Because it's a, a whole different thing. Because the stuff you, around how far can
0: you run over there? But
1: the fame and fortune of someone like Owen Farrell, having played with him, know him a little bit, know his mates, he doesn't like any of that. No. When he says he wants to get better week on week... He, means Gen- genuinely, it. he genuinely means it. And about. he's cut from that cloth where it's different to his dad. His dad has been in rugby league, I'm going to say, more kind of worldy on the streets of kind of like growing up in that generation Drug where it's a bit different, of course. And Owen has been born into that elitist yeah. system of winners. Yeah. You know, so that generational kind of shift between his dad and his uncles and then into that. And, you know, I was chatting to Ben Earl about it. It's like, is there an expectation now as England captain to be more than the captain on the pitch? And it's, you have to be this charismatic, opinionated character away from it. And when you have someone like Steve and you've got someone like Owen who are literally want to get better week on week and it's all about winning Mm. and they're so driven, people can't warm to that. Mm. And do you have a responsibility as England captain to be a certain way? I don't think you do. I think that... Someone like Owen probably hates the limelight. Yeah. And he'd go out there on dog shit park and want to win. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to. So maybe it's a reset for him. Maybe it's a reset for him and his family to reassess what the next four years look like. You know, does he come back? Yeah. I I mean, like. Who knows? I mean, it's one of those things. I hope he does. Yeah, we hope he does.
0: But if he enjoys not having those pressures in his life and he doesn't need it financially or he doesn't have that desire anymore, then then he doesn't come back. But it all. Affect him, I think, watching the Six Nations, knowing he's not playing. He's the sort of person that thinks he can do a better job.
1: Especially if England go well. Yeah, yeah. And that's the, hard, that's the hard
0: thing. So, listen, you know, he's got to get his mental health right for him and his family, get a break from the game. But also, you've seen the change in Owen Farrell over the last few weeks, I think, since the World Cup. He has been making more of an effort to go and speak to fans. I remember someone said to me, I can't remember who it was, but talking about the Saracens corporate hospitality and all this stuff and they're like oh Owen Farrell was supposed to come up but he didn't bother but that was the kind of narrative around it you don't know why he didn't come up like he might have been injured might have been having physio whatever whatever after a game but someone else said he didn't enjoy doing that but you do have a responsibility to have to do that sort of thing Mm. for your club and your country and so we're seeing more of Owen doing that we saw at the weekend he signed autographs with kids and all that stuff he was smiling and having pictures and there's a better side to Owen Farrell than perhaps people see and that's a responsibility on you know, a lot of people to to eke that out of him. And hopefully this change in people's perception and now hopefully changing people's behaviour around how they speak to people sees a, a better Owen Farrell come back, rested, ready to go, and, you know, with his mental health in, in good shape and he's getting cheered instead of booed.
1: 100%. So no Owen Farrell for Saracens, big void. Yeah. That's how good he is. Yeah. And I know they've been through a lot, Mark McCall's interview in the lead up. I say big void for Saracens. Northampton are phenomenal this season. How good. There you go. I don't think it was negative around Saracens and Faz. We had to state the news that was happening, but positives around Northampton. Yeah. You know, you're always looking at it going, Were Saracens bad
0: or were Northampton really good? Now, Northampton are always a really good side to watch, I think. Ball in hand. Normally they leak a load of tries but score a load more than the opposition or it's an exciting game where there's loads of tries scored, high scoring. They nutted out and every aspect of their game I thought was unbelievable at the weekend. Very anti-Northampton if you're a neutral fan that just perceives them as a team that loves to chuck the ball around but haven't got the hard graft in them. Led, and when you say leaders, led by example... Courtney Laws was Unreal. unbelievable.
1: I thought he might have thrown the towel in, and that's with all due respect. Yeah, You finish from England, you're like, you know what? Bit of a swan song. Cash in. Yeah, I'll go to France, probably too, if they want to pay me a bit of money. Yeah, Complete opposite Yeah, Courtney Laws. Put his body about. Like Phenomenal. Out of
0: contract though, isn't he? So he's in, <laughs> he's in contract <laughs> Well, there's that as well. He drives a Bentley, so yeah, I don't yeah.
1: think he's short of a bobble too.
0: No, I know, I know. But he, he was brilliant. Furbank was outstanding. Finn Smith... Well, their attack was on point. Yeah, you know, Mitchell was on the bench, came on, absolutely turned Goody inside out for his try. They took their opportunities, but more importantly for them, they barred up like you wouldn't believe physically and defensively. And that's something that you cannot often say about Northampton. You can talk all you want about the glitz, the glam, the offload, and their pace, the play out, the you know, the options in attack, and Sam Vestis ran that for a while and he's been brilliant. They've been missing, they've had the worst defence in the Prem. I think last year they leaked the most tries comfortably. And this year... They've evolved, Andrew. Lee Radford's come in. Look like they're enjoying defence and banging boys. And there's no bigger test than going down to the Stonex and banging boys physically there. You've got Billy coming out, you've got Marrow, you've got some big units there. I know, listen, they were missing a few. They had Jamie George on the bench, but Theo Dan was carrying McFarland. They had a big old team. And Saracens normally get on a roll, get on the front foot, physically bully teams, and it's just comfortable for him, isn't it? Mm. It wasn't comfortable for Sarries on Saturday. No. It was cold, mind. Yes, Saracens missing Farrell, and Manu Vanapola's played 10, and you know, he's a good player, but he ain't Owen Farrell, is he? And you take it I was quite surprised, actually, and I feel a bit bad saying this, but when you know you haven't got Owen Farrell as your 10, why have you got Jamie George and Mac over on the bench against Saints? who you know it's always a bit tasty against them. I'll tell you why. Why's that? Because they've got to go to South Africa this week in the Champions Cup. You can't bar up every week. No, you're right. You're right. But it might have cost them a little bit. Mm. But maybe they said, you know what, actually, we're doing well in the Prem. And they're targeting the Bulls game this week, which you're playing at altitude in Pretoria. Your lungs are going to be falling out your horse
1: Well, we'll find out. I'll be there. Yeah, you will. It's not it about is. me, though. No, it's but not. The... Flying South Africa, aren't you? Flying South Africa. In the Saracens camp. Well, both camps. Go on. Well, I'll hopefully be in the Blue Bulls camp as well. Trying to get an interview with Kane in mood and Moody and Willie LaRue. Right. Is this World Rugby or is this Saracens TV? No, this is World Rugby, uh, which hopefully Saracens TV content will Content
0: director. Yes,
1: content and creative director. I will rubber stamp thee. Flying
0: to Pretoria. I had a hell of a night out in Pretoria. Really? Yeah, we play, Sharks played the Bulls there and we went out. I was out with Francois Hougaard. That's my first dalliance with him. What a boy. What a legend. Good spot mate. Pretoria. It's not I mean it's not Cape Town, but it's rugby
1: heartlands. Talking of the Sharks, yeah, Pretoria. Absolutely battered. Hands pulled down. Yeah. And they were fully loaded as well. Yeah. Sharks are struggling. Sorry Marco, Masotti, friend of the show, owner of the Sharks. Yeah. John Plumtree my old coach, brilliant bloke, good coach. Under a bit of pressure now, just gone back in. Yeah.
0: Uh, but that's always a big rivalry, that, is the Bulls against the Sharks. I remember I played in it. The Sharks lads are like, you better be up for today. I'm like, yeah, yeah. They're like, no, this is a proper rivalry. Mm. Um, so they got owned a little bit, the Sharks. Which... They should.
1: Maybe they got hammered. They got 44 points to 10 put on them. And they were, i say fully loaded. I don't think they've won a, a game away from home since Feb. Something like, like that. Look at me. In the hot seat, just throwing out some stats. Stop, man. But interesting because the Sharks and the Hollywood bet Sharks, more specifically... They're expected to do something, right? So they've had a few changes, but the ball's physical, some quality players. So what you're saying, good luck Saris, this weekend? It's going to be tough for Saracens down there. Did you see Quinns doing that to sale on Friday night? I did see them doing it. I didn't expect to see them doing that. There we go. Sale yeah. were off, weren't they? I mean, Quinns are one of these teams, right? They're great to what I feel Here we go, go on. They're just so up and down. Well, they were definitely up on Friday night. Well, they were as physical as I've seen them in yeah. a long, long time.
0: Maybe it's because it was against Alex Anderson's sale. And they knew that... And he did that interview that one time. What did he say? Well, yeah, I think it was Saracens. Case. He said they always bar up for Saracens, don't ah, they? Oh,
1: maybe they meant bar up for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought Quinn's were, were brilliant. Like, the way that they play, I think them and Northampton are the two best teams to watch. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if you can be hot and cold if it brings you to the end of the season. <laughs> Joe Marla? Played well, played, played, well. Right, he? Played, played well. I've got a
0: question for you though, let's Go get on. away from him. Joe Launchbury. Yeah. Back playing well. Yeah, he obviously had the issues with wasps and then went off to play in Japan yeah. and he's now back at Quinns. It doesn't look right seeing launchers in a Quinn shirt, even though
1: he was in the academy there. Ask me the question. England? No. Oh. No. I, no, I you're think not the game. It. I think he'd do a job. Well, is that the level that you've got to now, just coming and doing <laughs> a job? Third best in the world, pal, we are. <laughs> but that, see, you've just said it. Would Joe Launchbury come in and do a job? Of course he would. Well, He's a quality player. I'm thinking like, say, Marrow
0: as a Six Nations off or goes abroad or whatever. Like our second row options at the minute are Marrow, Oli Chesham and... George Martin. George Martin, who's injured currently. What? I'll tell you one thing. Johnny Hill, I, I'm going to say it. He was embarrassing at the weekend. He's like the old fake tough guy, isn't he? Had his forearm across the throat of Cunningham himself on the floor like i on concrete yeah that's what I did look after at after he's flipped him over the old barrier I'm like
1: he should have been yellow card hey what about how funny away. was the ref Is no
0: no it is not why was there a French referee <laughs> well because they are doing an exchange because it's the they're investing. doing an exchange an exchange it's
1: <laughs> <laughs> It was like when we were
0: at school and you had a, a Frenchman come and stay with your family and then you no, went over that, there. No, I know. A French exchange.
1: A French yeah. exchange, Rob. Did you ever have one of them? Did we, fall? of course you yeah. didn't, mate. No, Northerner. There There's no French exchange going you, on in. Do you even go to school? Right? The yeah, sometimes. There you go. See, one word answers. <laughs> there you go. Well, was that, too? That was two, actually. I didn't go
0: to school. But no, there was a, a referee exchange, James, because it is the Investec Champions Cup this weekend they do it every year or they've started to over the last couple of years. Tony Spreadbury, shout out to Spreaders. Spreaders. Massive the, nutsack on him. Yeah, Massive. The biggest nutsack. All right, Goody. That's all he ever says. But going back to Johnny Hill, fake tough guy. i oh, oh. hard. He's a big lad. It's constant on playing rugby. He's pal. a British and Irish lion. Yeah, but... He's yeah, been, it's White Why He was you tough. Play? He was pretend to be tough, he was fake hard and then he got fucking
1: sat down by Will Joseph. How good How is Will Joseph? Amazing. That, is that Jonathan Joseph's brother? Yeah. So yeah, he was at London Irish well and yeah. man, London Irish can produce some kind of do I don't know. He, I, don't know. Uh, he, I think class, he was 13.
0: I, Remember last, the start of last year I said, we were talking about a few bolters. I put him in, in the bolter list. Did you? I thought he might be a bolter for the World Cup because I've, I've always rated him. Yeah, you know, I saw him at London Irish and coming through but he was class for Quinns and Marcus Smith won the old uh, heads up against George Ford, didn't he? He did. He did. Owen Farrell says he's not playing the Six Nations on the Wednesday. On the Friday night, the two protagonists, Marcus Smith coming up against George Ford. Marcus Smith pulled George Ford's pants Don't down. No matter,
1: he's a fifteen mate. <laughs> <laughs> Big shout as well to Caden Murley. We yeah. saw his dad, didn't yeah, we? we did That's why Army. we're giving him a shout out more because of his dad. Oh, so. I love. I'm a, I'm a fanboy, Caden Murley. I'm we as well, but yeah. more so like. Because we met his dad. We met his dad. At the yeah. under-23s, Army versus the RAF. Yeah. And he came up to us. Dad's quite good looking as well, isn't he, for an older boy? Yeah, military man. Yeah. Military man. So smart. Well, Andrew. Yes? You were at the Leicester-Newcastle match. Sorry, Rob, we've got to go there. Yeah. And this is harsh. And we can get into being harsh and how we unpick what Newcastle do going forward.
0: I think it's tough because obviously what the owners are trying to do is they've seen what's happened at Worcester and at Wasps. And they're trying to... You know, secure our club Looking forward But ultimately money talks Isn't it, you know If you can't invest You can't have the squad size You know, last year He said to He said to lads We're going to You know, halve your wages By 50% So we've seen Good squad players Good Prem standard players Leave And you know He's back to youth But it's just tough, isn't it? It's tough, and I'll translate that. Um, we young, because... man. <laughs> <laughs> i <fucking, I'm> <laughs> but I'm fucking, we're going to be. We don't pay anyone enough money, and we're going to be all right, young kids. How are
1: you? I why I mm, really tough one because I'm watching that game and uh, growing the game. Not about growing the game. I could barely watch it. It was like a team run. Yeah, Leicester were in second, third gear. Yeah. Jasper Visa was great. Got man of the match. Brilliant. Tom Rafael Oh, Tommy Rafael, like for me, either he's, he He should have got man in match. he's wicked. I mean, I'll chop tackle. So the quality, and again, Alex Codden, we can talk about his interview after. We will. There's loads to unpick with that. I'm, again, someone tell me if I'm wrong. You can sue me for defamation of character or however you say it. I'm hearing some of these Newcastle players are on zero hour contracts. Like that's what's happening. Other teams are looking as well to sign the players. Newcastle yeah. aren't even offered. And I understand, and look, people hate. I don't know why. This is the fact that people hate me talking about it. Sport. And entertainment is driven by money. Yeah, You can't come out and see what's happened with Worcester, London Irish and Wasps and talk about investment, talk about funding, and then call out the RFU or call out someone to put their hands in the pocket to put money into a team. Yeah. As much as I love Newcastle and I want them to be in the Prem and we need Northern Rugby. We need Newcastle. Think of the players that Newcastle produced as well. We need, time. we need London Irish we need yeah, Worcester we no we do I,
0: I, get, I understand the romance around that do you know what the worry for me and a lot of people and more so people that involved in Newcastle I have heard Dave Thompson the owner and his son Matt who used to play running the show they're making decisions without consulting coaches the
1: worst that I've heard I don't know how to say it I'm well not, no because they might interact with us and say that we're wrong which he's is back in so
0: Seymour Cudry owns it as well Dave Thompson's come back in obviously got a percentage of the club I don't know to what extent Dave Thompson, from what I hear, ain't bothered about the rugby finishing last. Whatever, the rumor is that he's just bothered about the land and wants to run oh, the ground into Andrew, Andrew, run look, the club look, into the ground, on. and literally, then, yeah, and then sell the the ground for land. Look at Rob's face. Which <laughs> Rob's be, thinking, I'm going to buy a house on there. Then, <laughs> if that's the guess. I love
1: the club that much.
0: But that, I'm, yeah, we're joking. I'm not joking about that. No, what we I've don't heard. want to joke. And, and that is. To me, it's the same situation, if that is the case, as the clowns that and cowboys at Worcester that came in, those owners. I spoke to Steve Darman on Saturday. He's still keen in getting them back. But, I mean, it takes a massive amount of money to make your team competitive. And we're probably talking difference between five or six million quid from the, what Leicester spend. I'm not just talking on their squad. I'm talking logistics of the whole operation. So all your S&C, all your physios, doctors, masseurs, yeah, the running of the show, team managers, all the stuff, the travel. And they're, they're doing it. And you saw it in Alex Codling's voice and his tone and his emotion. He's devastated. I also hear that they don't know whether they're getting paid month to month. So how do you fully commit as a player? Well, you, you expect to pull a jersey on and fully commit. You've got to be in. But the fires that are being put out there and the way that some of the players left, so Davidson, mcquigan some of their top stars left in contract because... There was an offer to buy him out. Dave Thompson wanted to pocket the cash himself and they haven't spent anything on it. And you get what you pay for. They've got some quality, good young players. Kalamczyk's great. Radwan's great. You know, there's a few others in there that, you know, Blomar's good and you've got exciting players. But the sum of the parts is what you spend on. And They've probably got a championship-style squad playing against premiership teams and they just couldn't cope with the physicality. And, you know, Leicester were fully barred up, fully loaded... Newcastle have changed a few. They've got some young kids that they're trying to push through and give experience to. But I just worry about Dave Thompson as the owner. Genuinely, hand on heart. I've not heard very good things at all, and that doesn't bode well for Newcastle. I want to see that club. I love going to Newcastle. Love my time there. But I think most away players, apart from when it's absolutely fucking Baltic, enjoy going up to Newcastle and hopefully pack a shirt for a night out as well because it's a brilliant place. And we need that club and the RFU need to, and someone came at me on social media because we said something on TNT Sports yesterday about the RFU and the PRL need to help out and you know maybe fund stuff. And there was a Worcester fan going, oh, well, it's not fair on us. They didn't do it for us. And I, I understand you can't have one rule for one, one rule for the other. But for us to lose the most northern team who have produced some of the players they've produced and the history that they've got, so we go down to nine and then eight, we're fucked. The Prem's Fox. So, I just
1: don't know how you talk about investment on one side of it when there's a demise or when someone's really struggling, but when you're thriving, there's an issue around investing. I know, I know yeah. we're going down a rabbit hole and yeah. me and you see differently on this, but No, I understand. Yeah, but it is one rule for one. I mean it's yeah. awful. And the the, What's the happening? scary
0: thing is the salary cap's going up next year to six point four and Newcastle's spending nowhere near it now. I haven't won a game yet and then next year when other teams spend up to 6.4 they ain't spending that next year are they if they're not spending five now so that gap's only going to get bigger and that's the worry for Newcastle and you feel that like for Alex Coddling I looked at his flippers that he had on Wellington flipper boots they were like crocs
1: with no holes yeah. weren't they <laughs> and that was before the game and I smiled and then after the game I just felt sorry for him because the emotion was raw well that's what it is it's tough though talking of tough Tommy Raphael how good yeah. he is lo- losing his hair that's fine Yeah, that's just a side note Ginger Losing his hair. Uh, yeah, but, Well, maybe it's a good thing then. <laughs> Andrew, you can say, I can say that to you because you, yeah, yeah, you're a I've ginger a bit man. Yeah, i Would you, would you say a bit of ginger or you are ginger? No, I'm not ginger. You are ginger. No, I'm not ginger are. at are. all, you yeah. might. You are. But Tommy Rafael, unbelievable. Yeah. Actually, him and Jasper Visa, who I've heard is leaving. Last I've heard
0: who's staying. Have you heard he's staying? I, I, no, no comment. All right, well, you will know better than me. I hope he's staying. He's topped the ball carry list for... The last four weeks in the Prem. Tom rafael has been brilliant. Chop tackles. Both Raphael and Visa worked together at the breakdown. Turnovers. One chops, one bangs. Yeah, one's over the ball. They're both, their technique is unbelievable. You know, Tom Rafael's not a big lad. He's dismantling malls on his own. Mm. I know he's only playing against Newcastle in the four say, teams, but bad, but... He's the first Leicester open side flanker to score a hat-trick since... Neil Back. Nail back. Okay. Peel back. A long time, yeah. Peel, Peel, no, no, I'm, not, I'm
1: not calling Neil back Peel back. Uh, There's no chance. A a fucking legend. Uh, uh, and people talk about the
0: impact of... Yeah, you were questioning Leicester at the start of the season, weren't you? They'd lost a couple early on. They had a big win down at Bath, but then when you look at it, when you put in Montoya, Chesham, Dan Cole, you're talking about the spine of a team, Jasper Visa, Tommy Raphael, Ben Youngs, Andre Pollard, Freddie Stewart. You stick eight World Cup players that there you go. most of them have got to at least the quarterfinals if not semis and and last game I'm telling you that Leicester team is the DNA's there the old school DNA but they've added some layers on you didn't see anything yesterday because the weather was absolutely pushing that down
1: line out was good though big shout Um, out to you Diggs well done mate I didn't see Donkey actually I saw him in the change room at half time yeah
0: he was playing Hangman I think I was about (laughs) to say not show them the whiteboard we've got
1: the bonus point but don't show them the whiteboard we're
0: drawing the willies on the board Uh, but
1: yeah no good Leicester performance
0: and then uh, We'll chat a bit about the URC in a moment, but before we do, we can have a chat with Munster's World Cup-winning Springbok lock, who has just signed a new contract with the province.
1: Who we got, Jim? There's only one man. It's the great J.K. John Klein.
2: Do we call you John? Do
1: we call you J.K.?
2: No, you can you can stick to J.K. I sort of dropped John when I moved to Ireland and got tired of explaining that my name is in fact not John. Um, <laughs> it's it's been sort of a, a running joke at the club for a for a good few years. So. Just JK. Jim
0: knows a JK. JK Rowling, Jim's friends with. Who's a better JK? JK Rowling or JK? No,
1: JK. He's a rugby man, fellow rugby man. I was hugging go. all the South Africans at the World Cup, so obviously I'm going to be all over JK. See ya, see ya, give me see a ya, hug. Someone turn the camera on. Was I getting a bit of stick JK in
2: the camp or not? Was nothing said? No, no, you, you came off, you came off quite sincerely. I have to I have to give it to you. It was all positive reviews from us.
1: Man, I absolutely loved it. Well, let's start on that because like for me being pitch side where you lads were was just absolutely phenomenal. I know it feels like years ago since the World Cup final and everything that happened there. But just as an experience, mate, just let's start with that. Like how cool was it in France for you and your team?
2: Unreal, man. It took me about a month to realise I was actually at the World Cup because I was still trying to figure out how I made the Springbok team and then, you know, everything ensued after that. So um, <laughs> I got a bit of a lag in my head, I'd say. I only just realized we won the World Cup last week, you know, just trying to keep up with, I suppose, all the changes the last few months. It's been it's been a very upside down kind of year for me, but in the best way possible. Like, I mean, I never imagined I'd end up playing for the Springboks, never mind playing at a World Cup for the Springboks. Forget about winning a World Cup with the Springboks. Do you know that was completely different level for me?
0: Yeah, amazing. I, I want to come back to the story about how in a bit, but mainly I want to hear about the celebrations because it must have been a crazy few days. A, winning the World Cup, not many people can envisage it or have lived it, but then seeing the scenes going back to South Africa. Firstly, talk us through the night. You win the World Cup, you lift the World Cup, there's beers in the changing rooms, everyone's loving life, happy, there's budgie smugglers everywhere. Fast budgie's tiny, but he's still got the smugglers on. But the celebrations there must have been huge. And then t- talk us through the night out. I, w- I want the pure details. The Saturday night, Sunday, then back to South Africa and how good all those scenes were because it looked incredible.
2: There wasn't much of a night out, to be honest. It was a, it was very much a night in. Obviously, straight onto the beers when we got in the change room. All fun and games. A couple of speeches made. A lot of happiness. A few tears. It was class. Just the experience from start to finish. And then after that, straight home into the hotel we all locked ourselves in a big room with a load of ski masks and <laughs> on the boost. essentially it was a serious celebration now me and the wife were over and we had to actually leave at five thirty to go collect my son from my in-law's place so that was that was a lot of fun grabbed the child came back and then basically went straight on the beer again and then my mother arrived to look after him so <laughs> it was uh, it was a bit of a passing it from one grandmother to another. But it was insane, man. And then Sunday was a full day. I think everyone hit the hay at around 12 o'clock on Sunday night because we had a a flight the next morning at like 7.30 or something. So it was on the bus for 6 o'clock, and then it was a very, very good flight. I've never seen so many people in business class actually trying to get into economy. Um, Oh,
0: really? Reverse?
2: I'd I'd say there was there was a lot of people just trying to escape the escape the general area where we were. It was one of those Airbus A380s, you know, where the top floor is yeah. all all business class. And yeah, no, it was it was good, man. It was good.
1: Yeah, there was rumours that Rassi was flying the plane. Is this true or not? <laughs> you know what?
2: It, it could have happened. I wouldn't. I am your pilot. He's, he's, he's done a few things. He's done a few things in his life.
1: Yeah, absolutely amazing. I mean, it's crazy when you unpick it, JK. And let's get straight into your story. This eligibility stuff came in, I would say, more so to benefit the likes of Samoa, Tonga, just to name two, for example. And we've seen that other teams like, obviously, South Africa, in your story, is probably the headline one because of what you've been through. Just talk us about how crazy that that was in terms of your journey to leave South Africa, the country that you love, that you're from, that you are to Ireland to play for Munster, you get capped by Ireland, which is your adopted country, which we've seen. It works for a lot of players. I'm sure it was absolutely amazing at the time. But then that emotion then to get picked by South Africa while you're still playing at Munster
2: and play for the nation that is your blood to your core. It's a long story. So, like, I mean, obviously it, it starts with me leaving the Stormers at 22 when Rossi gave me a phone call and he was like, listen, I'm going to Munster. I need a lock. Do you want to come with and that was sort of me just thinking, well, I'm 22, I've got nothing tying me down, might as well take a chance on it. Well, three years later, playing for Ireland at the next World Cup, which was obviously a dream back then. I mean, I think I was eligible on the 8th of August and I made my first appearance on the 10th of August or something. So like, I only squeezed in the eligibility there by like two days, got a good bit of game time, played a good few matches and... It was a great experience playing for Ireland, and you know, massive honour. And coach was changed, and I obviously wasn't what um, Andy was looking for, which is fair enough. You know, every coach has his pick of what he wants, and one guy is different from another. You can see, obviously, Ireland's Ireland system's working very, fairly well for them at the moment, and Andy's doing really well. So I've no hard feelings about that. But I'd sort of made peace with the fact that my international career was done. And then, yeah, the Sunday morning after the URC final, we got a call for Rossi and he was basically saying, "Listen, if you want to, if you want to come join us for the for the rugby championships, we would really love to have you." And obviously, I was still pissed, so um, <laughs> I didn't didn't really remember too much of the conversation
0: because you won it in South Africa as well, didn't you?
2: Yeah, we won it in South Africa. Yeah, I was down in Cape Town. Of Britain. course, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was, it was crazy. Like I'd say, there was. 2,000 of supporters and the rest were all stormer supporters, so we were yeah. we were up against it. But it was a great result for us, obviously, off the back of what could have been a nightmare season the way it started. I think we lost five out of seven or something at the start of the season. Mm. And it wasn't looking very good, but turned that around and ended up winning the Cup, which was obviously a, a massive, massive um, achievement for us as a team and as a club. I think it was our first trophy in like 12 years or something. So yeah. it's good to break the drought and hopefully that leads to more going forward. But um basically got the phone call of Rasi at 9 a.m. Unexpected to say the least. Spent the next few days sort of debating the pros and cons of it with, with my family. And obviously, off the bat, you immediately want to say yes, but then you realize there's repercussions and you know there's a lot of things that could have gone wrong since then. But I've been really fortunate in the fact that Everything sort of worked out for me this year to sign a new contract with Munster as well, which was probably one of the main worries is that Munster wouldn't be able to keep me if i um if I ended up leaving and I mean just after finishing building a new house and have a ten month old child, so I think my wife would have been too pleased if we had to had to ship out, but we said it was a risk we'd we'd be willing to take, and yeah, look, I'm incredibly blessed in the fact that it worked out. Obviously, my first cap at Loftus against Australia. Being thrown straight into the mixer was also something I didn't really envision happening. I thought maybe, you know, come off the bench for one or two games and see how I go. But Ricey put a little bit of faith behind me and threw me in to start that game. And we won it. And it was just a small boy's dream. You know, when you're growing up, you're watching your country play rugby. You're like, geez, one day I'd love to be that. And there I was.
1: As they say, the rest is history. I mean, one thing just on that, there was a couple of things. I was going to ask you about how the lads received you. I mean, is is there a kind of banter environment in the South Africa team? But then more so about singing the anthem and singing the Irish national anthem would have one emotion. But when you're stood there singing the South African national anthem, which is probably something you dreamt of as a young lad, I'm sure the taste was so much more sweeter because of everything that you'd been through. Previously, and then how much stick you got off the lads if there was any?
2: there was <laughs> oh, there was a, a bit of stick at the start. Well, actually, no, the, the stick sort of lasted the entire the entire way through the World Cup. But it sort of got quite funny towards the end because everyone started tweeting. You know, the first Irish international to do this, the first Irish international to do that. So, <laughs> <laughs> the lads, the, the lads were were having a bit of fun with it. All right, but yeah, look, I suppose it's unique at the moment, but it probably won't be in a few years. In regards that I played for two tier one nations at two world cups one after the other I mean obviously very very honored to do both you know to win the world cup with my home country is obviously I think you know it's where you grow up how you've identified for your entire life so it means a whole awful lot not saying that the Irish caps and the Irish anthem didn't mean much I mean it's it's my adopted country I've lived here seven going on eight years now and it will be 10 by the end of my next contract. My wife's Irish. My son was born here. Even my even my dogs are Irish. So uh, <laughs> an Irish wolfhound. Yeah. Yeah, jeez. Oh, I, I wish I've got two beagles and they drive me. I mean, insane. <laughs> <laughs> Useless dogs.
0: Was there any chat around the Ireland South Africa game when obviously the Irish beat you boys and some of the Munster lads were like, "Ah, oh, you picked the wrong one there, didn't you, son?"
2: Yeah, there was a bit of that, but um who? I, I, I won't P. name him shame. I won't name in shame. <laughs> uh, I did get. Oh, you fucking picked nice the wrong
0: picture. one there, fella.
2: <laughs> I did get to send him a nice picture of me holding the gold medal at the end of it. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I got one over on him. Um, ah, nice. Right. The one thing that shocked me about the entire thing was how positive the reaction was from everyone. All the boys in Munster were just delighted for me that I got the opportunity to play at international level again. A few of the lads had said to me, sort of, you know, what I declare. And I always said I'd never declare because sort of not my place to go looking for it because I had dedicated myself to Ireland. So it wasn't my place to go looking for Rassi to pick me or, you know, calling up Jacques saying, listen, I'm, I'm available if you want me. But, you know, when the opportunity came by, I think the resounding emotion around it was just happiness for me and, you know, for my family. And the same goes from the South African lads. I think when I arrived, I had you know, a little bit of trepidation because I was sort of this fella that previously played for Ireland and, and an outsider stepping in, and it's not how I was received at all. It was open doors, open arms. All the lads were just delighted to have me there. It was it was an incredible experience. It was it was really great to walk into a team environment, and I will say that it's it's the healthiest team environment I've ever worked in. Like nothing happens behind closed doors. It's all out in the open. Team selection down to who gets picked and why they're not picked. It's all said in front of the entire group, and it just makes for an incredibly healthy situation where there's not conversations happening behind closed doors where lads are being promised one thing but they get another. It was just such a positive experience. I can't really say it enough.
0: One of the things I want to ask you about the World Cup, what made a lot of news was the bomb squad. The bomb squad got bigger. It did. It went from 6-2 up to 7-1. You we all having a bit of banter. Who's going to cover nine? Who's going to cover... I'll play 13. Were you any, any of you putting your hands up to get in the,
2: in the backs? I'd say I could put my hand up but I'd be laughed out of the place. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> A few of the lads were covering like four positions at a time. I think it says a lot about how talented some of the players are. You look A guy like Peter Steff was covering both flanks. He was covering eight. He was covering lock. He was covering wing. Same goes for Quaha. Quaha was also covering four or five positions. But, you know, the 7-1 split or the nuke squad or whatever you want to call it, that game against New Zealand, that was, uh, that was quite an epic one because we literally all went on at the same time. and it was this one-for-one one switch, it was intense.
0: You know, like in the week when Razzie's announcing that, is there, is Razzie like, lads, I've got something that is going to blow up. Like, this is going to go mental. Everyone, we're going to laugh about it, but it's going to be so so effective. I want to know how Razzie tells the story. Does he tell you
1: like that? Does he say, like, bomb squad, and then he announces <laughs> there's only one back on the bench? Does he have that crack with
2: you? Yeah, he does a squat drop, and then he says it, and then, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, he's, in fantasy he does say, look, This is probably going to cause some controversy. And listen, if this goes poorly, they're going to say Rassi and Jacques are the two dumbest coaches in world rugby. But if it goes well, it's going to be great. I think the first announcement of it was a little bit unexpected because um, the squad's announced on the Monday uh, with a box, which is, you know, it's different to some teams I've played with. So it's sort of, you've no idea who's going to be picked. And then all of a sudden the team sheets up. Yeah. yeah, it was a bit of a shock for me, especially being picked in the finals team. I thought my playing journey at the World Cup had sort of ran its course. I was shocked, let me put it that way. But obviously delighted, gutted for the lads who didn't make the team off the back of it. But yeah, just what an honour.
0: I've enjoyed speaking to you, cracking bloke. I can hear an Irish twang in there. Mm. I can 100% hear a monster Irish twang in there.
2: Man, if you, if you live here long enough, eventually it'll get in. Did you get any abuse from the South African lads? All the time. At the start, it was bad. My accent, actually, soft. Well, it's not so much the accent, it's more the colloquialisms. Yeah. You say like all the time, and do you know what I mean? Like, it. see, I just said like. Just like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It, it's sort of drilled into you after a while. So the first while, it was, yeah, the lads took the piss out of me a fair bit. There was a couple of lads who actually didn't know I was I was Afrikaans until like three weeks into it. I remember Michael van and he sat, he sat next to me in, in every meeting. And after about three weeks, he goes, are you Afrikaans?
1: And I was like, yes,
2: <laughs> you too. I'm Afrikaans.
0: Yeah, I've been listening and understanding every word you've been saying, pal. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I just want to ask on South Africa as a country and moving into the Six Nations. There's rumours and there's talks of this from your perspective being in Ireland, but also South Africa, the history and the championship, can you see it as a natural thing that could happen in the future? Do you think it's a positive if South Africa, because it almost seems like the stars are aligning, right? The URC, yeah. so many South Africans littered across the world, the
2: time zone, it kind of fits, right? I think practically it works better than, than probably the rugby championship. Now, would it be sad if the rugby championship went out the door? I, I think so. I mean, you have the history of the Tri-Nations and then into the rugby yeah. championships mm-hmm. when, when Argentina joined. I think it would be it would be sad for Southern Hemisphere rugby, but then at the same time, it would probably be good for world rugby. You know, time zones do tend to affect... The big topic is probably viewership at the moment. Like, we need to up viewership. If we want the sport to thrive and survive. So, you know, we've got the Australian World Cup next and then the USA World Cup after that. So... I think just the fact that the USA were given a World Cup is World Rugby is trying to increase viewership. And if that's a massive market. You're talking 300 plus million people that once they buy into a sport, they're fanatic. So, yeah. you know, it'd be good to get into that market properly. I do think it's probably a logical move, whether it'll happen. I mean, obviously that's not for me to know or decide. There's people that get probably get paid a lot more than me that are in charge of that. But I think it'd be cool.
0: Be easier for you though, wouldn't
2: it? Living in Munster. Yeah, it'd, it'd be quite easy for me. It'd be very convenient for me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind it. So JK
0: says it's happening. It's happening, boys <laughs> and girls.
2: Yeah, it's Mike happening. Might take and be like, "Listen, could we base it in Limerick if we if we do come up it? <laughs> awesome. Just a
1: line on Graham Roundtree. He's a former teammate and coach of mine and Goody's, but. It's so good to see him. I say happy. He must be happy. He doesn't always look happy, but he looks happy. How has he been for your development?
2: Great. He's he's fantastic. I think as a coach and both as a bloke, I, I think he's he's a great guy. 100%. I think he's a fantastic rugby coach. The biggest thing that works for him is the fact that he's an ex-player. and I mean, not just an ex-player. 450-something professional caps, that's immense. Yeah, he's a legend, yeah. Proper rugby legend. And I think... In fairness, he's probably going to become a coaching legend as well. I think he's got a good team around him at the moment, which has been approved this year as well. Added a few more bits to the bits to the puzzle. So no, I I, I think it's onwards and upwards for him, hopefully for the club as well. Obviously, over the next few years, Munster will look to win a few more trophies and we will be at the helm. Yeah, I can't speak highly enough of him. I think he's a great fella.
0: He loves being called Wiggy as well. So if you Wiggy, want to call him yeah, Wiggy. Yeah, no,
2: I've heard he loves that. Yeah, I'll, I'll he really... He loves go. being called Wiggy. <laughs> I'll pray a in, in my next meeting with him. I'll go, hey, Wiggy, how you doing? Nice <laughs> to he see says, you. Uh, yeah. yeah, say Goody says. Well, well, you won't need to because Wiggy listens. I mean,
1: uh, Graham no, Rowntree listens to this. You know, the Spotify thing that comes out with the most like listened to podcast or song. This came uh, up, up as Graham so Roundtree's number speak. one. He's a super fan.
2: Oh, so I'd say he's on to you every day. potholing. Yeah, yes uh, He's a legend, yeah. yeah.
0: JK, been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. Wish you all the best for the start of the Investec Champions Cup as well with Munster and the rest of the season. Then hopefully we'll see South Africa in the Six Nations, eh? Oh, I don't
1: know. I don't know. I'm a romantic. Well, JK says it's happening. It's JK happening. says it's happening. It's happening.
2: Yeah. I'll go with I you. said it was happening. There we go. <laughs> Thanks so much for the chat. Thanks, JK. Cheers, boys. Top, Top like, lad. He is, isn't
0: he? he is, I look, you can definitely hear the Irish twang coming out. I couldn't hear it. Yeah. I could, he sounded a bit like my, my boy Finlay Beelam. I could hear that,
1: him coming out. And that's yeah. Where, when yeah that's not that's far, West Coast it? though, isn't it? Connock's not far from
0: Munster, is it? Oh, is it not? Yeah, neighbours. All neighbours around there.
1: It's more inland, isn't it, yeah. Munster? Doing really well as a team. Yeah. I mean, what a great story. Listen to him speak as well. What yeah. a great man. Not that you ever doubt that. No. Most lads are great lads, but unbelievable story. Two yeah. World Cups in two cycles... What I loved about it is the fact that he said he didn't go phone in Jacques Nienaber
0: or Razzi. They came to him because that's how much he respected Ireland. And then you're not
1: going to turn an opportunity like that down, are you? But yeah, brilliant bloke. Exactly. There's no apologies. It's professional sport, isn't it? And yeah, what a crazy story. He'll be on the what was it question of sport or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. These trivial pursuits yeah. like, no one watches question, no question of sport anymore. no now, they don't, actually, no, they don't was was the <laughs> no, but like, you're not hearing that story again no. No, like, not in our time tier 1 to tier 1 tier 1 to tier 1 to winners I just don't think it happens again Jean no. sorry no, JK legend so
0: James the like, United Rugby Championship mate it's thriving the URC it does look good some banging games it
1: has it's improved not that it needed to improve but it feels like well it's stable yeah that's what it feels like. It's stable and there's some decent teams firing some decent shots.
0: I had a few messages this week because I spent, remember I said last week I spent an hour hiding on Sunday in the bog watching yeah. Leinster Munster. Well, that was on a Sunday when the kids were downstairs and all this stuff. I got back late last night from Leicester, so I'd saved my hour on the bog this morning to watch some URC. What did you watch? Well, I watched Glasgow. Get absolutely hosed to start off with at mm, Munster. Let me say
1: hosed. At, in the first half. First half, yeah. absolutely blown Munster away. Munster looked class, didn't they? Munster looked very, very Where's good. Where's
0: Graeme O'Roundtree? got this expansive rugby union from? He was the most unexpansive player. Just fucking stamp on them. Well, but that's the issue, the Andrew. The style they play, it's brilliant to watch, isn't it, Munster? Well, they can't
1: defend them all, though. Maybe that's what well, yeah, it is. Yeah, well, yeah. Graeme O'Roundtree's out in the back, just <laughs> yeah. like doing offloads and balls out the back door. but. Yeah. They can't defend them all. That's a story for another day. Glasgow, very good at them all, though. Yeah. But yeah, Munster. I d- don't forget that they won the URC last year. You did forget. I did forget. I went, oh, yes, I they did. did. <laughs> oh, yes, they did. I did forget. I did say. Quality players. Mate, Jack Crowley. Yeah. I'll go big on him at 10 as well. Stephen Archer looks very good at tight head. If they can get their maul defence right, which is becoming a real Achilles heel for them. There's a lot of more tries
0: this weekend, though, in the URC. Was
1: there? Yeah. What's that you got? Oh, Edinburgh.
0: Scored a couple, yeah. it's Scottish teams. We can more so to count shirts and back. So did Ulster. There you go. You watch some of the highlights and it's just pick and go. Try more. Try. Rob hits. How many more? Saw the, the highlights. Out.
1: No, Rob. Go now off the bat. How many? Forty-three. Yeah, there we go. It's a, it's a wild guess. <laughs> Munster are good. They've got a wicked six as well. Tom Ahern, I think, yeah. he got man of the match. Yeah. They produced them as well. Gavin Coombs, John Hodnett, loves a tap and goo as well. But Glasgow, fair play, they didn't die. They got absolutely hosed in the first half physically. Even and you done...
0: or tweeted about it, didn't you?
1: Oh, yeah, and then the they came back. back yeah, the peel back is on. Yeah, and then the peelback is on. They came back in the second half and got a bonus point. Yeah. So, Munster, I reckon they're the team to watch. I genuinely do, as well as Leinster. How many other teams are you going to name? Well, I'm not going to name Ulster. Mm. Got beat at home by hashtag always.
0: Hashtag a always
1: massive, Edinburgh. Massive rebound yeah. after getting beat at home last week against Benetton. Yeah. Ulster. Can't work them out. I don't know. They'll be very disappointed with that Ulster because it's a game that are expected to win,
0: even though Edinburgh are a decent outfit. But Stewart scored a couple again. Balakoon scored a late one. James Hume scored a late one as well for them to get the bonus point actually two bonus points because on that as good as a draw
1: that was for them there was only three points in it and Ulster scored at the end of the game look at that Ulster team you've got Stephen off, first start Stephen get your off exactly Tom Stewart you mentioned Tom O'Toole so you've got an international Alan O'Connell Kieran Treadwell been there for an age you've got Nick Timoney massive fan of him Matty Ray who's been there for ages John Cooney Billy Burns McCloskey James Hume who you're a fanboy of Stock Horse Balakoon and Will Allison. so on paper, fully loaded, fully loaded, absolutely fully Missing loaded. i Henderson, though. I tell you what for hashtag Always Edinburgh. So Jamie Ritchie gets man of the match. Unbelievable. You're welcome, Edinburgh fans. He came on the pod the other week. He did. Hamish Watson, yeah, phenomenal yeah. when he came on. So, oh, tougher Hamish, isn't it? Oh, just yeah. It almost feels like he needs like a, a refresh. I'm not saying that he needs to leave. He Needs to leave. But you've got Luke Crosby, you've got Jamie Ritchie in the back row, as well as Bill Matter, but in terms of sixes and seven, sevens and sixes. So Jamie's always going to play because he's Scotland captain yeah. now. Luke Crosby's young coming through. But Hamish Watson, strike when the iron's hot, mate. Yeah. If you're on the bench or you're kind of in and out, go and cash in, brother. Yeah. Because he was immense when he came on. Will he on. play and stay involved with Scotland, Six Nations? Well, this is the thing I think he should do. He's good enough, but then he's well, we at said Edinburgh. he should have started, shouldn't yeah. we? That's what we said. We should, he should have started against that must game against in. Who needs, uh, Ireland. Saracens will probably find a way. He turned Newcastle around. Rob, you for five hundred grand? That's what Amos Watson would be costing. No big shout out though to Edinburgh. Big win. Oh, it's a massive win at the Kingspan. Not an easy place to go. Ulster. Interesting to see where they go this year. Talking about Irish
0: rugby teams, James. Connacht against Leinster. Hmm. This is the one I spent a good bit of time watching today on the bog. What a game. Yeah. He's back. Return of the Mac. He's back. Return of the Mac. Here he is. He was on fire. Yeah. Quality um, player. Actually, interesting. I saw Jacques Ninaba. showing the entry to the ground when the Leinster arrived. I saw him and he's got his stern face on. And Connacht played a ridiculous game at times. Scintillating. They were making breaks. The Big Mac was dominating. But then Leinster just found a way. And what um, the 89th
1: minute? Yeah, or something. last player of the game to yeah. win it,
0: and you like the sports ground was absolutely jumping, the atmosphere was banging. The rugby that was on show from Connacht and Leinster to a degree, but the tries that were scored, the breaks you know, it was end to end stuff at times. Really good watch, freezing cold, no win for a change, but it was brilliant. And Leinster just did what Leinster did, youngish team, Harry Byrne at 10, Ben Murphy at nine, like some. Youngsters. Jamie Osborne was on one wing, but one man that stood out for them, Charlie Knightite, Wicked. in the centres was class. Scores a try, sets up another one with a kick. He was brilliant. You know, it wasn't Leinster's full-on noise team. They had Tadhg Furlong on the bench, Kean Healy. They brought a few on. Jack Conan was on the bench as well, but just snuck it.
1: i tell you who's one to watch out for. Go on. I don't know where he plays. Kieran Frawley. Yeah. He's been spoken about for a couple He's played centre as well, hasn't he? So yeah. he's, well, he's at fifteen at the weekend. Fifteen at the weekend, played ten as well when he came on yeah. for Rossburn the other week. Yeah. I don't know where he fits into Ireland, but he's we he scored the winning try at the yeah. weekend.
0: Good step as well to I thought he was going to give it for a tour on the outside. Yeah, went, look
1: at us just across meh. everything, across full Irish rugby. So yeah. yeah, Leinster not won there in a long time. The Jacques Nienaber yeah,
2: effect. effect.
1: Right. We've gone positive. Oh, don't bring it down, James. Let's yeah, not bring it down. It's bringing it to reality. Yeah. So the rugby's concussion case went to the high court on Friday. The names were released as well of the players. Big names in there as well. Not that yeah. they're the big, little or nobodies. I mean, there was a lot of names on there, but the likes of Gavin Henson, Colin Chavez, Ian Goff, Cole Heyman, Mark Regan, Mo both of my former teammates, Sean Lamont, my former t- teammate, Phil Vickery, your former teammate. And a load of others yep. have put their name to the case against World Rugby, the RFU, what yep. oh, well, I mean, look, we've had long conversations around this. Yep. I was quite emotional. Was it during COVID when we yep. spoke about it? My mind has changed. Not somewhat. I just I feel sorry for the guys yep. that are involved. Oh, I know. No, and
0: that's the underlying yes. emotion. Because it, there's definitely sad.
1: people within that group that are going, this is an obvious thing, Goody, right? No. This is an obvious thing. Contact Sport the generation that we played in, the generation before, everything that's come out of the NFL now, everything that's come out of football, you see in boxing, contact sports, there's a danger linked to that. Yeah. And we're part of that. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. But quite a damning number of people involved in that. Yeah, and first and foremost, the litigation is around, did the RFU, the WIU
0: and World Rugby have conscious knowledge of the knock-on effects of all the collisions, all the concussions that would lead to the serious brain injuries and and issues that some of these people have got? And did they withhold that from the players? So that's ultimately the crux of it. Now, I look at it and it's incredibly sad with what's happened to some of the people on the list and we don't know all the stories. But I also look at it and I think what they're trying to achieve and they're obviously trying to achieve a payout to help them in life later on, you know, to help for support. And I suppose each one's different. What I do know is the game's the safest it's ever been. In terms of how players are looked after, and that is always evolving and continuing. And it's, again, I go back to it, it's very sad with what people are dealing with, but I just, I'm dead set against trying to sue the life out of the WIU, the RFU, and World Rugby. It will cut the game at its knees if that, this happens. Uh, where do you stop it? Is there an end point? I think of all the amateur players that have had other issues, but they don't have a voice necessarily. A difficult thing to talk about because you're very sad around
1: the knock on effects of it all. Well, it's a real shame. So the lads that are struggling, we hope they get the support that they need to yeah. get to get through yeah, this. Right, let's finish off with a positive, a negative, and an ugly. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. It is the ugly.
0: Yeah, let's do that, James. We're going to start off and start off in Wales. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know where you're going, this. Yes, I know the where you're Scarlets going. are getting a shout out in the good this week. There were 29-23 winners at Cardiff. Decent game. 14-0 down, I reckon. Yeah. and then the red card comes. Boom. Yeah, and we'll get onto that in a bit as well. But yeah, shout out to the scarlets boys. They're often in the bad. They've not had a good start to the season, so they get a mention. Over to France, Claremont beat Racing 23-18 at home. Big result for them against the big dogs of Racing. Stade Francais get a mention of the good as well. They dispatched Toulouse 27-12. On the Sunday night game, great game that was. The Bulls over in Pretoria hammered the Sharks, as we spoke about earlier, 44-10. So a big shout-out to the Bulls, boys. Hashtag always Edinburgh. Hashtag always. There we go. They get I mention of the Good. They won 27-24 at Ulster. So a big shout-out to the Scootsman up there. Benetton, mm. back in the Good again. Yeah,
1: they're good. They are Good. Let's goo- go, ooh-ooh.
0: the Italians. Benetton, they beat the Ospreys 18-13. And their record now, and I cannot believe I'm saying this, Opening seven rounds, played seven, won five, drawn one, lost one.
1: There you go. Go on, Benetton. Maybe it wasn't that big a loss for Edinburgh last week then.
0: You go back to the foundations, right? You put the foundations in at Benetton when you went about 14 years ago to do some content Yeah. It's just bearing fruit now, James. Yeah, they're good. I like them. There you go. What else is good? Marcus Smith and Harlequins get a shout in the good. They destroyed Sale 36-3. He certainly won the audition between him and George Ford. Saints get a mention in the good as well. They smashed Sar- Didn't smash them. They beat Sarri's at the Stone X. It was class, both sides of the ball, defence and attack. Normally, they did smash them. Yeah, they're in control, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. But they yeah, could have lost it towards the end. Mm-hmm. It was closer than it probably should have been. That shows the class of Saracens, though, when you're not having a good game to come back. is a stat for you, Jim. Saris have only ever lost 13 Premiership games at the Stone X. You played in about 10 of them. But <laughs> well, of those 13 games, who's won there the most? Gloucester. Saints. Is it? Yeah, and that's the fifth win that Saints have had at the Stone X. We go. saris have only lost 13 Prem games at the Stone X, and Saints have nicked five of them.
1: Don't ask me to work out the percentage. No, I won't. I won't.
0: It's not, it's not half 38 it's not half though James i was guessing that good effort that so yeah shout out to the Saints boys Bristol's get a mentioned the good this week I was commentating down in Bristol colder than the North Pole it was basically but they were very clinical Gloucester we'll talk about mm-hmm. them in a second but some sparkling performances from Bristol's great to see Vakatawa he was on fire Genji was tip top. he had the bit who was his the feet. Fijian you were talking about Ravuvu he is going to be class in the Prem this year hell of a tash. yes cheers Rob thanks yeah. mate I saw him in the tunnel on the way out and I'm like, you look about fifty, but you're playing like you're about Wicked. twenty. Yeah. How quick. Yeah. He looked phenomenal. Wheels. So yeah. Big shout out to the Bristol's boys. But the goo this week is going to one place, James Hamilton. You are repping it right now.
1: Okay, well, if I'm repping it? It's about being the best, is
0: it not? It is about being the best. And the best have won the good this week. The army, the British army, and everything that they did for us last week. Whether it was the 34 battery from 14 Regiment Royal Artillery, or it was the 7 Regiment Army Air Corps, or it was the rugby game, the under-23s beating the RAF, or it was the Royal Military Academy at Sandhurst, where we did the drill. Al Baba, we at the drill, by the way. Well, I
1: was all right at the, the marching. Mate. Left, right, left, to yep. the right, salute. Well, Goody marching like the a German.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was. And then the two rifles hosted us for infantry training. Everything about that army, two days, apart from the alarm, and it wasn't the army's fault because we stayed in a hotel. The fire alarm went off at time. Shall 30. I just show you the
1: fire alarm? I'm refusing to get out of bed. And I'm like, Rob, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> That's going off at... <laughs> That's going off at five to twelve, and yeah. I'm like Rob, go and sort it out fight. It was one o'clock. It was oh, I was one o'clock, yeah, was yeah, it? I didn't know. But yeah. Rob, you got out of bed, right? Yeah, sorted it. And then yeah, he sorted it. Were you it. breathing on the, the alarm? No, we thought it was you vaping. That's what Rob said. <laughs> Did you actually? Was Rob... someone vaping on the first floor? <laughs> so it? I didn't get out of bed. I'm ringing Rob. Making... I'm like, what the hell is going on? He's like, I think Goody's vaping. I was like, right, well, I'm getting back into bed then. <laughs> anyway, there you go. The Goody this week goes to the army, and my favourite
0: person from the army was Major Jen stevenson so big Big shout shout out out to everyone yeah Uh, superstars the lot of you keep doing what you're doing army be be the the best best. the bad few bits of bad montpellier montpellier not montpellier they're in the bad again eight losses on the spin now after being spanked at bayon newcastle unfortunately get a mention the bad this week 47-3 hammering at tigers tough for them at the minute and alex codling's interview spoke volumes issues there with dave thompson the owner yeah. But we won't go there. The Dragons—they're back in the bad. Yeah, saw that. Of course they are again. They went out though. They went out in Jo'burg because mm. they only got spanked forty-nine, twenty-four. So they kept it under fifty. Yeah, out in Jo'burg, but they're in the bad as well. Gloucester get a mention in the bad as well this week. They were shocking really in the first bad. half. They were really but bad. Hi, touch rugby. How are you? It's a West Country derby. Bristol off the back
1: of losing at home to yeah. Leicester. So you think you get a reaction?
0: Yeah, and they were not at the races whatsoever. Gutted. They did fight back and got a bonus point, but just it was bizarre in that first half for uh, a Gloucester team that you think are going to have a bit about them in a local derby. So Gloucester get a mention the bad. That's six defeats on the spin. But the bad this week goes to the court case and the litigation lawsuit that has gone to court to launch against the WIU, the RFU and World Rugby. Very sad what's happened to the players, but absolutely not the right thing to be doing, unfortunately. So that's why that gets the bad this week. Then the ugly, two bits of ugly. We're going to start off with Ruben Schumann's red card for taking out Ashton Hewitt for the Lions against the Dragons. But the ugly this week goes, unfortunately, to Ellis Jenkins, who I really like as a player, Ellis Jenkins. He's hard as you like, stacked, good player, but sometimes that spills over. And he got a red card for dumping Dan Davis on his nut with a tip tackle for... Cardiff against the Scarlets so Ellis Jenkins he gets the ugly this week a couple of shadow tides we have yes, we, we have. have we're going it's to start it. off with Staff Sergeant Bestie the PTI who ran around Sandhurst with you Jim
1: he did not an ounce of sweat on him he had a dog in the office. He had like a French bulldog. <laughs> yeah. What's that all about? <laughs> the army, mate. It's the army, Be yeah. the best. Be the best. Do what you want. Did he carry you around the course? No, we were or? talking the whole way. A big fan of yours. Were you like... <laughs> <laughs> he was like, why is Goody not doing... He had some banter about throwing some gloves at you or something Bant- when you no, okay. no he's a good lad yeah he's a good boy Staff RFC. Sergeant Bestie yeah uh,
0: big shout out to him uh, he's asked to give a shout out as well to Daventry RFC where he started playing rugby as a kid and the Royal Army Physical Training Corps the Apostles rugby team so Bestie or Staff Sergeant Bestie you're a legend good luck to you and
1: Daventry and the Apostles yeah, big shout out to you guys. Shout out to Matthew Smith, who's organised a touch rugby game on the pitch at halftime of the Glasgow Warriors Northampton in the Investec Champions Cup next weekend. They're raising money for men's mental health charity. Keep in touch. You can find them on JustGiving. Just search Matthew Smith. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. And, and thanks thank you to producer, producer Rob. Rob. Yeah. Thank you to everyone.
0: Thanks for everyone for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well, and make sure you subscribe on.
1: Spotify. Spotify. Ruby Spot. Spot Spotify, Pod 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 Pod. pod.